0: don't call it a comeback we've been here for the last month (laughs) we just haven't been podcasting but we're here now so cue the intro Welcome to Above Board, the Fathom Analytics podcast. We are going to be talking about a series of things today. We uh, have been preparing for this today and yesterday, and we're excited to get back. And uh, We have
1: a lot on the docket.
0: We do. And we're going to move to a more regular podcast schedule. We recently switched to <laughs> uh, once every two weeks, but we're going to be deciding on that very soon. But today we're going to talk about what it was like to hit ten thousand dollars in MRR amongst other things so on the agenda though the first thing we're going to talk about is why are we not an open startup we've covered this before Paul why aren't we an open startup
1: because I don't think it makes sense business-wise I think it's a good idea in theory but so I think there's a difference between um being open and being ethical. I think you can be ethical without being open about that because I don't think it is just like entrepreneur porn, basically. If you have an open startup, there's, it doesn't do any good. And I think it actually does uh, more harm. And we talked about this before, but our revenue, we're not disclosing our revenue in this episode. So if that's all you were here for, you can probably stop listening now, (laughs) but I wouldn't because it's going to be an interesting show. Um, yeah, so there's no there's no reason. It just it makes no sense and it baffles my mind why some businesses are open with their numbers.
0: Yeah, I agree. It doesn't add to your ethical standing. Doesn't really achieve anything. It's just a metric for comparison for your competitors. So that's and pretty it's always much gross.
1: It. It's always the gross number. It's always the big sexy number. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. like if somebody makes a million dollars a month. It does. It does nowhere does it show. Well, they spent nine hundred thousand dollars to make that million dollars. So anyhow.
0: Well, no, I mean, I was just open startups. I see a lot of them and I think it makes me judge the company and it makes me not want to use them. Like I've seen companies with 15 employees and they're barely profitable and it makes me second guess the company and its sustainability. So we, we, we would have something to gain if we were to be an open startup on that front, but that's it. I mean, what does that gain in terms of, yeah, there's just not enough for me personally. So the start of Fathom, when did it all start? I mean, were we, were we the first to market? I mean, what's that about?
1: I think we were. I mean, I'll just, I'll just put that flag on the mountaintop. I think we were the first simple privacy-focused analytics. And I know that Matamo existed. That's private, but it's definitely not simple. And there are definitely other companies that dealt a little bit in privacy or dealt a little bit in simplicity but not really and I think since we've launched we've seen I don't know a dozen five dozen copycats I mean competitors come out with basically fathom clones every week since and it's just been interesting to see that it started from a tweet with me mocking something up in Photoshop And now it's turned into uh, what it is now. And I think that if the way that I'm classifying the types of businesses that are both simple and privacy focused, if we're the leader in that market that I'm just basically inventing in my head and and while I'm talking here, then we need to, we can't rest on our laurels here. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jack, you're gonna have to get back to work. (laughs) As soon as this podcast is done, Yep. Um, so we need to do everything we can to make Fathom the best product and to keep making features that our customers want and to keep having absolutely amazing customer support. I mean, toot toot, it's our own horn, but I think you and I do a really good job of customer service. And I think that that's probably one of the most important parts of our business is if somebody does have a problem or a question, then we do our best to answer it quickly and well and and, and do what we can for them.
0: I agree. One question I do have, why did you start Fathom when Matomo was available? This isn't a comparison episode, but I'm curious, why didn't you just use what existed?
1: Because I didn't like it. It did too much, and I didn't want too much. And I'm a designer, so I'm picky with the UI that I have to look at every day. And if I had to look at Matomo every day, I wouldn't use it. Just like when I had Google Analytics, I didn't use it because it was there was too much stuff and it looked like shit. So now the the best thing about Fathom is that I I look at it every day because I like the way that it looks. And a couple friends of mine have said like, actually look at my analytics now that I use Fathom. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> As a designer, that is the thing that I wanted to happen that people actually like looking at their stats.
0: It's by far the best design analytics. It's all on the market, but by far. Um, and I, I like the Matomo CEO seems like a nice guy and everything. And I think they've got a good product, very different, very different from ours. The actual product, very different from what we're doing. But yeah, the design is, is not good. <laughs> Put, <laughs> putting it out there. I don't want to be turning this into a, a slagging off competitors episode. But it, yeah, and it's good for people that want to do some of the more crazy stuff that Google does. Um, then why would they not use Google? Oh, because it's self no it's because it's self hosted that's why so they want the features that Google has all the complexities but they want to self host it or something like that so that's yes. when you would use Matomo whereas Fathom, we focus on the high level metrics some of the things that matters we work we can't really talk too much about what we're working on but a few additional things to help you grow your website and uh, market your business but we don't go into the craziness we don't go into the I'm going to track this user around the site that kind of thing Yeah, I mean, we did launch custom
1: domains recently. Yeah, we did. That's a feature we've talked about launching Mm -hmm. and now we actually did launch, so. Yeah, custom
0: domains have been launched. So if you were hitting an ad blocker or your your visitors were hitting an ad blocker, um, you can now add a custom domain, which is a fallback. Now it's a fallback. So our CDN still sits there and attempts to run, which is great. But if if it does get blocked, it just falls back to your custom domain. So you get the best of both worlds. You can have unlimited custom domains, so go grab some while they're hot. On the agenda as well, why did it take the right partner to start hitting the... Oh, on our notes, we've actually got a figure for the percentage growth rate. I, I don't know if we're going to disclose that. But um, are we? Why? Why, <laughs> why? We we have yeah, we have good growth. Let's just say that. Why did it take the right partner to start achieving that kind of growth? Because when I came on board, um, Fathom was growing at maybe one to two customers a week, something like yeah. that. It, it wasn't yeah. a bad growth. You know, that's definitely not the worst thing in the world. Some SaaS companies get zero customers a week. Um, why did, it, why did things change when, and I don't think it was just me, I think it was what I brought to the team, which then perhaps made you change as well. So why did we turn it into what it is?
1: Yeah, I think part of it is your energy and excitement to build something great. I think part of it is the technical decisions to move off, because we did actually start um, on a, a cluster of VPS, VPSs, VPSs right? And you said, yeah. obviously very much moved off and thrown our hat in the serverless ring and everything is now infinitely scalable on demand, all of that. yeah. So I think that's part of it as well, where we can see huge growth in customers or page views or viral clients that have, a, one of them was doing like almost a million page views a day and it doesn't hold up anything for any other customers or anything on our system because our cloud just kind of grows and shrinks as, as clouds do, I guess, in the server land in the sky. Um, you can tell I'm such a nerd and I know how to talk about <laughs> the server and stuff you do. <laughs> but I think part of it was that, the, the technical decisions that we made. Part of it was the continuing to innovate and create things like your, what's it, the complex double hash mesh method that we ended up writing about on our website that's been copied by almost (laughs) everybody else we wrote exactly how to do it and then a bunch of people just started doing it because it's smart so we have been trying to innovate and bring out smart things to our customers and share it with the world for good or for for bad for us and competition or whatever but we have continue to try to do our best to maintain our place in the market
0: yeah no for sure that that's true no we've definitely been hungry for it um hungry for bringing the privacy focused analytics to the world that's pretty much been the drive getting as many people away from google as possible i do view it as this google's got all of this data and i view it as us slowly chipping away uh, so they're getting less and less data, mm-hmm. and I view us as just a small part of this. You then obviously have David and Jason at Basecamp that are doing their part, and you have all these different groups of people um, that are working at chipping away at the big giant. Uh, who knows what's yeah, going to happen? Fast mail, but yeah, fast mail exactly, and all these things. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen? But that's some, that's kind of how I view it, to be honest, just at the analytics side anyway, and the um the email side.
1: Yeah, exactly, uh, and even things like uh, what you DuckDuckGo.
0: Of course, DuckDuckGo. They
1: are doing their their part as well on the um, yeah on the search engine side. So there are, and I as much as I kind of poke it at, at competitors, if somebody leaves Google for any privacy focused analytics, whether it's ours or not, I am a little happy about that because I'm like okay. That's so much better. Like the market share that us and every single competitor we have, even loose competitors, is still nowhere near what Google Analytics has in terms of market share. Yeah. So anytime anybody gets off of Google Analytics, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's cool. I want you to pick us, but if you don't, it's like, eh, at least you pick someone. not
0: 100% agree. So why, and we could have done this episode like a long time ago, but why did ten thousand why is the ten thousand dollar milestone so big is it just because i think people put a lot of value on the one thousand dollar milestone and then the ten thousand then the twenty thousand why the the first ten thousand i think it's because it's the it's the jump up to the hundred thousand dollars a month and that 10k finally gets you into the five figures maybe that's what's so special about it
1: yeah, I mean, it is it is sort of an arbitrary milestone, but I also think that it's just it is a milestone that shows that there's value and that there's market fit, right? And it's it gets into the realm of like, okay, this thing can cover its expenses uh, very obviously, but it can also cover paying a salary because if you and I are working on this full time, which we are, then we need to be able to make money to live to continue to work on it full time. And I honestly don't think that a company, and I'll let you talk in a sec because I can hear you just about to talk. (laughs) Um, I don't think that a company is truly profitable until you can cover both expenses and payroll. If you're just covering expenses, you're you're getting there, but you're not profitable yet.
0: Yeah, 10,000 is that viable business mark. It's no longer a hobby project where you're making a few hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars. Um, when I came on board, yeah, I was trying to think back to how we viewed Fathom through the year. Fathom was never viewed as a hobby product, though, even though we were low in the MRR. And I do think the mindset is actually important with, with the growth. If you're viewing it as, oh, this is just a side project, you know, I want to get a bit of money on the side. That that You're telling yourself that that's where you want it to be. And you might get lucky. I'm not saying you can just think your way into success. But the mindset is important. We were always looking at Fathom as this is going to be a business. This is going to be our full-time thing. You don't get, you don't just accidentally get to $10,000 if it's just a side thing that you work on when you have time. And um, yeah, and everything we do is how can we make the business sustainable long-term? That's number one o- over everything. How do we make the business sustainable long-term so that our customers can get a quality product forever and they never have to worry about us going out of business and that kind of thing, so...
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important. The more that we can be sustainable, the better we can, the better we can be for our customers until the end of the internet. Yeah,
0: that sounds sounds about right. So before we get to the questions, Paul, yes, has COVID nineteen affected our MRR?
1: What do you think? I mean, not as much as the zombie apocalypse that happened last year, but sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Th- I honestly, I don't think it has. I think there has maybe been, there was maybe a tiny bit more churn in trials when it was starting because everyone was panicking. Yeah. But I think people have calmed down. People have gotten to at least some sort of routine for themselves and their work and their business and all of that and so i i'm curious what'll happen in the future but at least for now no it ha- the pandemic hasn't affected um, revenue and growth for us really
0: that that is pretty much yeah that's pretty much exactly what i'd say nothing's really nothing's really changed and our growth is still what it has been i think i was convinced at one point we were going to have a dip of some sort but no we're still growing it's it's yeah. crazy to and see
1: I, I, yeah I, that makes me very pleased so
0: and the attitude has been how can we continue to add value to the product we discussed this before but that's been big in my head Um, what can we do to try and save our customers money one of the big things we're currently working on we we mentioned this before is the uptime monitoring that's that careful careful, jack make sure we're launching this feature (laughs) (laughs) that that has been on the list but we had a few things that came ahead of it Um, but that is one of the things we're working on at the moment so
1: yeah, you want to get into some questions I posted on Twitter. Um, does anybody have any questions for us when we were recording this episode? A bunch of people, some customers, some not. Um, reply to that tweet. So you want to get into those? Let's do it. All right. Tobias asked, "How long did it take to get to 10k MRR?" And
0: that is a that's a good question. So Fathom was at just under, I think, $1,500 when I came on board. Uh, We had it up to $10,000 a month in less than a year from that point. Um, We actually hit it long before we realized because, you know, we have (laughs) Stripe and PayPal and a few manual bank payments from European customers and that kind of thing. So we, I don't know exactly when we hit it, but it was within the first year. So... Yeah, you had it at 1,500 a month and then Danny left to become a teacher. Then we spoke and we accelerated everything. That, that was mm-hmm. it. When we both came together, we just accelerated everything. So that's why it took less than a year. And I am reluctant yeah. to go into specifics because I don't want to give away where we're at and, and everything else. But I'm comfortable at saying that we're between 10,000 and 100,000 MRR and we'll just leave it at that.
1: Exactly. Super specific. (laughs) I think that, I think that satisfies everybody right there. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think that was important too. Like when we first started talking about, okay, you're going to come on board, you're going to be a partner in Fathom. It wasn't, okay, this is a cool side project for us. It was, we need this to be a full-time project. So how can we get it there as quickly as possible? And now let's get to work. Yeah, pretty much. It was always going to be a business. Yeah. So Ryan Chandler asked, how and where do you reinvest the revenue?
0: Yeah, that is a good question. How and where do you
1: reinvest the revenue?
0: So realistically, one of the fundamental goals with regards to revenue was to get it into that position where we can work on it full time. Very important. And pay ourselves full time. Yeah, paying ourselves full time. Yes. Exactly. And in terms of how we actually reinvested the revenue... We spent a lot of money and we spend, we still spend a lot of money on enterprise-grade infrastructure, which is highly available, meaning that if one of our serverless servers goes offline, it falls back to another. But I'm not going to nerd out. I'm not going to do that. Uh, We basically pay for the best infrastructure in the world, which obviously costs more than a few VPS servers. And because of that, we have great uptime, um, great backups in place and everything else. So that's one of our biggest reinvestments along with a few sponsorships of sorts on you know podcasts that kind of thing
1: yeah some freelance paying some freelancers for like content seo engineering that sort of thing for audio so yeah i mean like it's not we do try to run a pretty lean ship we're not spent we're not like for every thousand dollars that we make we're not spending 800 of it to do other things that
0: that would be crazy
1: so um Kristen just asked looking back what kind of activities would you have spent more time on and what would you tone down I'll just put my two cents in first and then you can answer we would build smaller features and launch them faster is the thing that we would do <laughs> I think
0: yeah we trans yeah we we basically when I came in we rebuilt fathom from the ground up in a few months and it took a few months because I was working on other stuff and um, the big thing was redesigning the back end, right? Paul had already done the front mm-hmm. end and everything else. I think you had a few tweaks. So we got that rebuilt. but then we moved straight into version two, which was another complete rebuild just to make it uh, just better. Um, yeah. And we we were in this stage of we're only going to do these big releases. That's all we do. So with it, moving away from that into small releases. I don't know within the first 10K, I don't know if we could have, worked on lots of small features because there were some big refactors that we needed to do Yeah, um, but i think that that's generally been one of the things that when we reflect on it we could have it would have been nice to have smaller increments so more things going live that we could talk about rather than just very little for many months i say you know six months whatever it was very yeah. little for six months and then boom here you go enjoy but <laughs> it did work out okay though saying that you know i, I know how we might change that but it yeah. did go pretty good.
1: And then for toning down, what would it be? <laughs> I know if you don't. Please, please go. <laughs> Talking about things that we don't that we either change our minds on to do something better or talk about releasing things that we push to different places in our roadmap due to internal priorities Uh uh-huh okay no i agree with that no i agree with that at first i was going to say no we
0: need to have things for the future but yeah we have we have a habit of it's probably more me that causes this where we're working on a few things at once when we need to be working on one thing at a time so right now we have the api part done and data export is probably not to try and put a percentage on it but it's Probably about 95% done it works but not with the bigger customers so for 95% of our customers it would actually work but for the customers that have got uh, absolutely millions and millions of pages on the website there'll be problems so we've got these things that are nearly done but not out one of the things that we need to do and this applies to today I mean we're talking about the first 10k I don't know how it was back then but nowadays we are focused on working on one thing at a time getting it Mm -hmm. done Gang it live, market it, then move on to the next thing. So, yeah, I agree. We should tone yeah, down. And on the Yeah, I think that is
1: spread. a difference. Yeah, I think that is a difference from how we operated before to how we're operating now.
0: We have more sure. responsibility now. We have we have way more customers, um, so
1: yeah, more support as well, which is yeah, which which does take up time. But like I said in the start, is the, f- the front line of people interacting with our business, so it's pretty important.
0: Very important. I'm very grateful yeah. for the support and uh, yeah. learning things from people.
1: Yeah. Greg Robson asked, when you started, what did you think your priorities would be if when you reached 10K MRR, and were you right? Are pr- your priorities different to what you expected?
0: Is exactly what you just said about the support. So getting closer to 10K MRR, I do recall the support starting to increase. Um, Since, yeah, I wouldn't say that changed at 10K MRR, to be honest. What I would say is that support typically correlates with MRR. You have more Mm -hmm. customers, you're going to get more support and then they're going to tell other people, they're going to ask questions about the product. Um, So what that does is it brings in this, okay, we need to, we need to improve our documentation, or we need to improve the marketing site. And the marketing site is pretty good. Um, we do find that some people miss things on the marketing site, and they'll just contact you sometimes.
1: So every customer gets unlimited do unlimited sites. Yes, <laughs> every customer gets unlimited sites. Yeah, just to I don't that know clip. how we. Could- yes, I don't know how we could make it more clear on the marketing site that every customer gets unlimited sites because we say that every customer gets unlimited sites in several places, but still, like we if people have that question we we're trying to get that sale so so we have to answer it and i think i remember a time when our mrr was probably around this is before you when our mrr was probably around like between 500 and a thousand bucks and support was like an email or two a week and it was like (laughs) the weekly thing that we would deal with was oh let's answer this there's a there's a support email like let's get to answering that and now it's like I don't think I, I. don't think that either of us have woken up on any day in recent memory without support, without a support queue to deal with, and that's that's part yeah. of running this was company. this
0: was before ten k. Just to be clear, because it yeah. wasn't suddenly ten k hits and we get more support. We've we've had this since, yeah, even it was in a the gradual low, ramp yeah, up, exactly. And now it's now we have support every single day, multiple times. So we just yeah we
1: roll with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So that was, that was Greg's question. Uh, Emile Breguer, Breguer I, I'm butchering your name, Emile. Sorry, probably. Um, if you did it today, how, where would you get your first 10 customers, then 100? What do you regret doing or not doing? Okay. I, yeah, I've got a good answer for this. Do we
0: I- would do the exact same thing that we did uh, with Fathom. Paul would tap into his huge network, share his ideas before building anything. And then once the idea is shared, you can get validation through people emailing or retweeting, tweeting, that kind of thing. And we've done this with multiple things. Even with Pico, we had, I think, near to 3,000 emails from people who were interested because Paul put together that landing page. Uh, I did the same thing with my recent serverless Laravel course. I put a landing page up before I'd built anything. And Paul's been doing this for like, nearly... 10 years he's done this for a long time since my very first
1: product the first book that i wrote had a landing page before i wrote the book
0: you did a landing page for your book okay yeah Yeah. i suppose the same with a course i suppose yeah so get validation before you build anything and that's how you can get your first 10 customers quicker
1: pretty much i mean create something in a market where you have contacts as well it's like if we built an app for real estate i don't know how i would get 10 customers
0: yeah and do it in an industry you care about and know about so with my course for example i did it in the laravel space whenever you do stuff it's typically in the freelance business kind of writer i mean that's what i define your what would you define your category as that's how i define oh, your category as i don't know entrepreneur small business <laughs> people
1: yeah, people. I don't know. <laughs>
0: but you stick to your audience. And I think that that's because yeah, you not know make
1: products. Yeah, I don't make products that my audience aren't asking for, regardless of how I classify them.
0: And Fathom was your idea popped into your head and you just got validation by putting up the landing page, spent a few hours designing it, and that was it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I tweeted it first. I, I, do, I did a mock-up of what I thought an analytics product should look like and I tweeted it and I, don't know, I caught like 500 retweets or something in the first couple of days and I was like, ah, this is something that could exist. If this was people a podcast,
0: yeah. If this was a podcast interview, people would, um, the, the interviewer would say to you, so, so Paul, what advice do you have for people that don't have uh, audiences? Whenever I hear this, I just think, get a fucking audience.
1: Yeah, start building one. Yeah, start building an audience. All of us all of us that have audiences have done that. So that's a necessary, you can't skip the step of building an audience. The only reason why I make any revenue with any of the things that I do is because there's people that pay attention to what I do and I in turn pay attention to them.
0: It's like it's like an investing podcast where you're talking about investing money and then someone says, so what do you do for people that haven't got money? You've got to go earn the money and then you can <laughs> you can invest yeah. it. So build build your audience. If you haven't got an audience, build it. Find something you know about. Find something you're passionate about. Start sharing things. Start teaching people. Stop assuming that you don't know as much as other people. I mean, that's correct. There are lots of people that know more than you, but there are also even more people that know less than you. So start sharing everything. Yeah. and start building an audience collect yeah. emails you can collect followers but you haven't got as much control over sharing things with them so get an email and there's nothing dodgy or or scummy about building an audience either about um giving free information getting an email if you're a good person and you're sharing valuable things heck i'll join your audience I've been joining audiences recently where people are sharing uh, there's one guy uh, Jonathan R- I don't know how you say his last name Briink. he's he's got this course coming up about uh, eloquent or something like that like I'm following this guy he's giving out valuable information and I'm going yeah. to I'm going to join his list and I'm going to buy his product why because he's giving good valuable information that that's yeah, how you build yeah. an audience I mean, look yeah. at your blog. Look at Paul's blog. <laughs> How many articles are on there? And free information well, I mean, and I'd, tips and I deleted everything. about a
1: thousand of them, but of there's still probably 50 of them on there. <laughs> Only the best.
0: See, he even yes. curated the articles for you, so you haven't got to go over the other ones. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. I'm, I'm, just, just, I'm just trying to be valuable, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. That's an important part, though. Focus on being valuable.
1: Yeah. To other people. I mean, if people aren't asking you um to build something then i don't know if it's worth building or it's certainly harder to build if nobody is asking for your opinion or ideas or information on about a thing then it's harder to build and sell it agreed 100 yeah. percent. john henshaw asks who is a customer of fathom and i can say that because his he's on our He has a testimonial on our website, so I'm not Mm -hmm. giving away any private information. (laughs) John asks, how did you manage the onslaught of feature requests? We have an autoresponder that starts, dear John Henshaw, we've heard your feature request. Uh, Just kidding. John's actually been really valuable because he really understands, um, analytics and SEO and campaigns. So we've actually picked his brain more than once about that. So I think having customers that are really smart is kind of fun. Very grateful. But then how do we prioritize and stay focused? Um, given that we run a simple analytics product, how do we prioritize and focus on what we should add to it? Because we want it to always be simple analytics. Yeah, you can take that question, dude. I (laughs) have that's a hard one. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think that we are opinionated about it. So we definitely won't add things like, say, a feature tracks somebody from start to finish uh, and tracks them as an individual and says, like, I can attribute this sale to this person that's all that we're, that's not what we do we do data in aggregate which we feel is valuable for all the customers that we have and for most people that run businesses on the internet so our feature list ha- our features have to stay within the does it work for what we do is it is it a feature that we can get behind ethically Is it a feature that we know that our customers want? Is it a feature that we can build in a smart way? And what I mean by that is, is it a feature that isn't going to double or triple our customer support right off the bat? What, there's, there'd be no reason to build that or there'd be no reason to build it in a way that did that. We would have to think of a smarter way. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times our features take a little while longer to launch because we want them to be as easy to use as possible. We want them to be as seamless as possible. We, we spent so much time on custom domains because the process the first internal versions of it oh, yeah. was a bit clunky and it took a it took a bunch of work and you'd have so to add steps. two or three c names and then validate <laughs> and do all these things and we are like yeah. we need to get it to a place of being as good as it can be and as simple as it can be otherwise we're not going to launch it
0: yeah and we didn't yeah. until we had it in that place <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so what do we do when we have 10 features that match all that criteria you just described
1: um, I think the, the thing that I typically think of and I kind of drill into your head on Telegram far too often is, is this a feature that could benefit all of our customers? Yeah, yeah. And if it is, that's a feature that we prioritize. If it's a feature that can benefit some customers, then it still could be a great feature, but it may not get the priorities that something that every customer could benefit from would get.
0: yeah. No, that, sound, that, that, that sounds good to me. And that's pretty much how we do it. One of the big things we've stopped as well is that, I mean, we get hundreds of feature requests. And, and John, I'm sure you know if you're listening, you've done this before. We have a lot of people to, to try and keep happy, but we sure. are honest. We're honest. If we've got this feature on our roadmap, then we will talk about it. Uh, sorry, we'll talk about it. We will um, we'll tell the person that we've got this, but we won't give ETAs. So a big mistake that I've made in the past is I've said oh yeah that's coming at this time oh yeah that'll be done in a few months that I need to be careful with that because people then come back and say because they have expectations and they say when mm-hmm. why why isn't this done or you know when is this coming so we now don't give we don't give an ETA and that's helped a lot because then if we have to readjust we can you know that's why we don't have an ETA so that's oh, yeah. a big tip for anyone running a SaaS. try not to give ETAs because it just creates unnecessary um,
1: pressure. Agreed. Dude, we got to the end of the questions that uh, that people asked us on the Twitter. I swear there was more. Oh, okay. no,
0: Miguel, Miguel asked, how does it feel? Yeah, Miguel, John, Nolan. There were a few people. I'm sure there were some missing questions. Miguel, well, Miguel asked, asked
1: how, how does it feel? It feels pretty fucking good, Miguel. <laughs> if, uh, it feels good to have a business that is doing well I mean I think it was funny because when we first started talking about like oh what are we gonna do if we hit 10k we were like oh we're gonna open like bottles of champagne or sparkling juice (laughs) for myself we never did that like I remember around the time when we did hit 10k I'm pretty sure neither of us cracked open any champagne
0: no and I said I would at the next big milestone whatever that may be and I didn't so it's just, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, we, we sell it. I think it's just, like I said before, I think is daily gratitude, to be honest. I think yeah. There's, the milestone doesn't suddenly change your life because it's, it's, it's a gradual thing to get there. Um, but no, we're grateful. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: every day we basically have a like, holy shit, dude, look at our MRR today. And yeah. it's like, yes. And then we feel, yeah, it's just, we pretty, I think we probably do do that almost every day. Like, feel grateful and feel good about where Fathom's at. Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah, We it's crazy to look at our customers um, and how many how many we seem to be getting each month. It's humbling. Yeah. So we're very grateful.
1: And customers that we've heard of, is, which is another thing. Like, obviously, can't talk about um, the, oh, who yeah. the specific customers are, but we know those companies. And, and, gov- I, and governments. Exactly. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> it's like... These people use our like these people use the software that we made. This is kind of amazing. I mean, for
0: sure, one uh, one final question I've got here from John Nolan of uh, of Ghost Fame, exactly. Who, um, who
1: acquired Pico from us? Who,
0: he's got yes, yeah, exactly. So John asked, and how long did the next ten take? So I'll answer that one, Paul. I'll roll with that since I've sure, got it written down sure. here. Uh, so since we hit the 10K, the, the MRR, I think since 10K, uh, maybe since, I don't know, I think it was since 10K, has been increasing stupidly fast. So 0 to 10K was a lot slower than 10K. I've got to be careful with how I talk. But since yeah. 10K, <laughs> well, this it's annoying because it's, it's, we're talking around the topic and then we don't want to go open. But yeah, the, the first 10K was harder than the second. Let's just, okay, It's harder than the second 10K for sure um i do remember a time when adding a thousand dollars mrr like it took ages it really took ages and 10k mrr just seems so far in the future but yeah it it comes a lot quicker nowadays and and, like i'm reluctant to talk too much around this um, but growth has been much faster And, and john you'll know all about this i mean if people don't know who John is, if you go into ghost.org and you click on about, if you look at their revenue, so they hit a million dollars. I forget when they're, they're open about this. Um, yeah. You'll see how much, they're adding, how much they're adding each month and it does compound. Um,
1: yeah, it really does. It totally does. And I mean, as long as you keep your churn low, just like you said, it compounds. So every time we get a new customer, we're not just getting money from them. We're getting money from every other customer who stuck with us another month or another year. So I think that's the the beauty of, of SaaS is this re, of, is this recurring revenue. And I mean, I still laugh about it because it's still like, this isn't, it's not passive income. Like there's such total oh, no. bullshit <laughs> that it's passive income. Jack and I work on Fathom full-time and we put full-time hours into Fathom every single day. So the reason why we can make a living off of Fathom isn't because is just giving us some money magically, it's because we put an honest day's work every single day into the product.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Dude, yeah. I just look I just looked at Ghost's annual run rate and they've added over $500,000 in a Since year. Since we
1: started this episode. Since...
0: <laughs> oh, That's no joke. That's no joke. Ghost is a, yeah. is a cool company. That's insane.
1: Yeah. And I love the way that they Sheesh. set their business up as well. Being uh, a non-profit and being... They figured out this whole open source with paid that works really, really well for them and the way that their software works that we tried and it didn't really work and we'll come back to thinking about it at some point. Yeah. It's totally different software, but I just, I really do like, I know I, I slagged off um, open businesses at the beginning of this episode, but I think while it doesn't work for us, it definitely works for them. Like I look at that, I yeah. look at them and I look at the way they run their business and their business model. I'm like, that's really fucking cool. That cycle they have as well. I mean, the yeah. Whole, yeah they're a they're a rare example of
0: doing it right by the way just to be clear to everyone ghost is a rare example where i'd say they're more of the exception
1: to the rule Um, exactly they they definitely do it right agreed all right man i feel i feel good about this episode we packed a lot a lot a lot into this yeah we did cool all right let's listen to some music because it's awesome